We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio Network. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Good to be with you today. This Monday edition of AFA at the Core on American Family Radio Network. You can visit our website, AFR.net. We encourage you to do so. Visit our website, AFR.net. Also download the AFR app. Uh, Both places you can catch and listen to the AFA at the Core podcast on our website, AFR.net, or on the app. You can get the AFA at the Core podcast. And of course, the podcast is also available really wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be on your Apple device, your Android device, or uh, on platforms like Spotify, you can uh, subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast and listen at your convenience. We are also live streaming the video for the show on the American Family Radio Facebook live stream on the American Family Radio Facebook page. I also have a AFA at the Core YouTube channel where we live stream as well so you can watch the show. You know, we're building our own video streaming platform here at American Family Association. We'll have that, uh, at least a version of it, up and running in the coming months. And then hopefully by early next year, we'll have a live streaming option where we don't have to rely on uh, the big tech conglomerates of the world to get our message out there on the Internet. Uh, We can get our video out there with our own platform. So we're in the midst of working on that now. So that's some exciting news Our scripture for the week is out of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 15.1. And this this scripture came across my mind this morning, and it was actually on my senior jersey in high school. You know, you get your, most of us got our senior uh, jersey where you can put uh, your your number, the year that you graduated, the name, your name on it, along with whatever kind of message you want to convey as a senior in high school, and mine was this. Mine was Proverbs 15.1, and it says, uh, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's the first verse of Proverbs 15. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And looking back now, that was fitting (laughs) for me as a, you know, 18... 18-year-old young man, um, I got to say, I have not uh, perfected that scripture, but uh, I'm doing better than I was my senior year of high school. Let me just put it that way. But it's so true. You know, our, 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 our instinct as humans, our flesh wants to lash out and to be the first one to get a word in uh, when you're having a conversation with someone or you're disagreeing with someone on something. Um, but sometimes it's best just to listen. So that's what the book of Proverbs 15, uh, verse 1 says. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer, a harsh uh, word stirs up anger. Our resource of the week, right before we get into the news of the day, our resource of the week 
is the God Who Speaks Sunday School Kid. It's an eight-week video study. It includes two DVDs, discussion guide, and Bible timeline. I can, um, for those of you watching, you can see the DVD here on, uh, um, in the studio, uh, this kit. But I've been through this with my Sunday school class, and I would encourage you to do the same. This is our the God Who Speaks Sunday School Kit. It's an eight-week video study on the inerrancy, uh, the biblical authority, the reliability of God's Word. Uh, so we'll continue to promote that throughout the week. The uh, Speaking of God's Word, and those who just don't like it, don't like reality, the American Medical Association, they came out last week, and they've been woke for a while now. You know, they've been, quote, progressive for a while now, or as Abe calls them, regressive. Um, the American Medical Association, this is... Um, they have been hijacked by politics. That's what it is. They've been hijacked by politics. They are now recommending, I'll just read uh, from their press release from their statement. Today, the majority of states, 48 of them, and the District of Columbia allow people to amend their sex designation on their birth certificate to reflect their individual gender identities. <laughs> This is news to me. I didn't know this. I didn't know you could change your sex on your birth certificate. You could retroactively <laughs> amend your sex on your birth certificate. That's lunacy. What on this earth? I did not know that. Apparently, you can in 48 states, including the District of Columbia. Existing uh, AMA, American Medical Association, that's where I'm reading from, existing AMA policy recognizes that every individual has the right to determine their gender identity and sex designation on government documents. To protect individual privacy and to prevent discrimination, U.S. jurisdictions should remove sex designation on the birth certificate. While they go on to say that our American Medical Association will advocate for the removal of sex as a legal designation on the public portion of the birth certificate. There you have it. American Medical Association thinks that we need to remove sex from birth certificates. This is, uh, this is, this is lunacy. This is insanity. Um, the American Medical Association, they've detached themselves from reality from science, um, and this is maybe this is going to be another arm of the Democrat Party, the American Medical Association. Apparently, they also now support, and they hadn't in the past, but for years now, they've supported doctors performing abortions or AKA killing babies. And this view was actually very controversial amongst the medical community for years. This, uh, so this is this is where the American Medical Association is at today, and it's just that's just disappointing. I mean, not only is it lunacy, but the American Medical Association has been hijacked by a bunch of political operatives, apparently, and now recognizing biological sex on your birth certificate is a no-go for the American Medical Association. You know, this is going to make it hard. Um, it's going to make it hard on. <clears throat> on like the government to imagine law enforcement uh, there's a bank robbery down the street and 
So you can't recognize one's skin color, right? Because then that's racist. Um, and now we can't recognize which sex they are, whether they're a man or a, fe- or a girl or a woman. And so you're gonna have you're gonna have nine one one operators. You're gonna have law enforcement going. We've got an individual fleeing the bank right now. They just robbed the they they robbed the bank with an armed robbery. We've got an individual. We don't know if they're human or not. They may self-identify as a giraffe, uh, but they're fleeing the bank. And then the uh, the uh, law enforcement, <laughs> the deputies or the officers responding are going to say, "Can you give us a description? Can you give us you know like an age range or?" Um, you know, what sex they are? No, no, sir. Uh, we're not allowed to give out that information. That's just an individual. We think it's an individual uh, fleeing the bank. It's going to make it impossible for our law enforcement to do their job, not not to just uh, admit that, that this is, I mean, this is, this is one of the most fundamental uh, tenets of, of science, um, of biology, is that there's male and female. And now we have the American Medical Association denying one of the basic facts and realities about biology, and that is that God created us male and female. This is, this is I don't even have any words to say, words to speak, as you can get the idea here. Uh, moving on to a couple other stories, this... Um, I'm going to play this Fox News clip. It's about a minute and 45. It's about a two-minute clip. Um, I'm going to actually wait till after the break to play that. It's a little bit lengthy, but I'm going to go ahead and set this up for us to play the clip after the break. But there was there was this talk last year about where this virus came from, where this coronavirus came from. And there were indications early on that that this virus came out of a lab in Wuhan, China. And the evidence that suggested that in the early days of the pandemic, it was pretty plausible evidence. I mean, there were red flags even before 2020, before 2019, there were red flags about what was going on at this Wuhan Institute of Virology in in China. There was actually a State Department report back years ago that warned about um, what these these scientists were doing at the Wuhan lab. And so t- to, to suggest that this virus might have come from this Wuhan Institute of Virology is not far-fetched at all, uh, despite the fact that many people called it a conspiracy theory. The WHO uh, downplayed it. The... Uh, uh, the Biden, when he was a campaign, he downplayed it. Fauci downplayed it, uh, this, this, this theory. Um, but as it turns out, this theory is pretty much now a common fact, common knowledge, that this virus came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And there was actually a fact sheet put out by the Trump administration, actually in the final days of the administration, thankfully, on the State Department website, and this uh, this fact sheet was archived. It has to be legally archived because it's from the former administration. So you can still access this on the Internet. The Biden administration can't take it down. It has to be archived. Uh, so I found an archived link 
to this fact sheet from the Trump administration, the final days of the Trump administration. And here's just a few things that came from this four-page fact sheet about the activity at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The, uh, the fact sheet says this, the U.S. government has reason to believe that several researchers inside the WIV, which is this institute, became sick in autumn of 2019 before the first identified case of the outbreak with symptoms consistent with both COVID-19 and common seasonal illnesses. The report goes on to say that accidental infections in labs have caused several previous virus outbreaks in China including the 2004 SARS outbreak in Beijing that came out of a lab. It was an accidental leak. The Wuhan Institute of Virology has published a record of conducting, has a published record of conducting, quote, gain-of-function research to engineer viruses. (laughs) The Institute's website has a, they're they're known for for conducting gain-of-function research. Moving on in this, and I'm just bringing the highlights. This is a four-page report. I'm just reading a couple of highlights here. Despite the Wuhan Institute of Virology presenting itself as a civilian institution, the United States has determined that the WIV has collaborated on publications and secret projects with China's military. So basically, the Chinese military, they're studying bioweapons in this, in this institute. And by the way, our, our NIH, our National Institutes of Health, uh, through one of Fauci's uh, sub-departments, they gave uh, grants to different um, entities, which then turned around and 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 fo- funded some of the uh, WIH, some of the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology. And that's what uh, Dr. Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, that's what he made a criminal referral to the Department of Justice about regarding Dr. Anthony Fauci because Dr. Fauci basically said before Congress two months ago that there, that there is no evidence that NIH funded this lab, especially gain-of-function research. Well, as it turns out, Dr. Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, argued that that's not true. The NIH funds were used to fund gain-of-function research. We'll be back in a few minutes with more of this story out of Washington, D.C. regarding the Wuhan lab. In China, AFA at the core will be back in a few minutes. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After Texas legislators fled the Lone Star State to prohibit the passage of an election integrity bill there, they sought sanctuary in D.C. This reportedly led to the spread of COVID-19 in the White House among those who'd taken the injections. That led a reporter to ask Press Secretary Jen Psaki, why won't the administration just release the number of breakthrough cases you've had of vaccinated staffers? Why not just provide the number? Are you trying to hide something? To which Saki replied, why do you need that information? But she brings truth and transparency, right? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. This school year brought significant change for students. Many participated in two consecutive school years of virtual learning, while others maintained a hybrid experience in and out of physical classrooms. During this time, your daughter's tech skills likely increased, but her social skills may need a bit of a boost. So many kids were distanced from friends and family and may need to acclimate back to being part of an in-person group setting. Spend some time talking about changes for the new school year. This will help alleviate some of her anxiety. Invite some classmates over for a get-together before the first day. This will give her some familiar faces to see. First Corinthians says it well. I want you to be free from anxieties. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose, and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us, that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better, and this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show today. This uh, Monday edition of AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio Network, continuing this discussion about the Wuhan lab. You know, there were um, Facebook and all the other woke corporations that run these platforms, they were flagging this theory about the Wuhan lab as fake news, basically, as a misinformation, disinformation um, a year ago. Well, boy, are they eating their words. As it turns out, um, this, this theory is very plausible and it's pretty much settled fact in Washington, D.C., that this virus that we're all dealing with, that the world is dealing with, came out of China because the Chinese <laughs> apparently don't know what on earth they're doing in these labs, and so it leaked out. They're either incompetent or they intentionally leaked it. We don't really know either way yet. We need more information to make a decision on whether this was intentional or not. Uh, I'm going to play clip three here. This is a Fox News report from Rich Edson talking about the lab leak theory and how it is now uh, established fact. Yeah, good morning, Dana. And this is from the most comprehensive report yet laying out the case for the possibility that COVID-19 began in a research lab in Wuhan. Congressional investigators for the Republican minority on the House Foreign Affairs Committee say their research leads them to conclude that, quote, 
the preponderance of evidence suggests SARS-CoV-2 was accidentally released from a Wuhan Institute of Virology laboratory sometime prior to September 12th. 2019. These investigators found that in the months before the start of the pandemic, the Wuhan National Biosafety Lab requested bids for major renovations to air safety and waste treatment systems in research facilities that had only been operational for less than two years. It's unclear why the Chinese government requested the projects or when or if they even initiated any of the work, though it's just another circumstantial element to the controversial argument that this pandemic began in a lab. This report is only weeks ahead of when the Biden administration has asked the intelligence community to report on whether the virus leaked from a lab or developed naturally. Pointing to that investigation, Democrats have refused to participate in congressional inquiries. Republican staff used project announcements published on the Chinese government's procurement website, along with other open source data, interviews with former administration officials, and scientists and research papers. Satellite images of Wuhan in September and October of 2019 showed a significant increase in hospital visits. Also, a Chinese scientist told the publication that a patient had fallen ill in September of 2019 and two more in mid-November. Then he requested the publication withhold that information. This report also points to suspicious information and behavior from the Chinese government and a propaganda campaign that began shortly during the pandemic, or really during the pandemic, and has continued through this day. Well, there you have it. That's a uh, Fox News report, Rich Edson there. Pretty comprehensive report. And, you know, this is, this is, it's, it's, I don't know what's what's equally what's most frustrating the fact that that the Chinese let this thing get out of the lab that they were doing experiments with viruses enhancing them making them more deadly I don't know whether that's more frustrating or the fact that the world tried to cover it up for the last 18 months we even have the WHO the World Health Organization dismissing this. We had our own U.S. government, some of them dismissing this. Uh, the media dismissed it. Uh, we had the WHO director dismissing it. We have uh, meeting minutes from uh, the WHO meeting last year. Meeting minutes, this is, from a, this is from a Washington Examiner story. Quote, meeting minutes from discussions between lab scientists and WHO China team uh, a WHO and China team reveal lab leak concerns were referred to as, quote, conspiracy theories at this meeting. Uh, the, the WHO China January report concluded the most likely origin for COVID-19 was a jump from animals to humans. Yeah, it was in a lab. <laughs> I mean, this is, this, is the, this is the major problem that we're facing as a country is that China has everybody compromised. All the major corporations, they all want to do business in the Chinese market and access the one-plus billion consumers there. The NBA, they've got to be able to play in China, right? Um, all the other uh, uh, sports vendors and all the major companies, Apple, Google, Facebook, they've all got to, got to have access to the Chinese market. Well, how do you have access to the Chinese market? You cozy, you cozy up to the Chinese government which means you compromise the ability to call uh, things how they are. And uh, 
so the, 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 the virus, basically, we know now, according to this Republican-produced report, the, the all fingers are pointing to the Wuhan Institute of Virology and a lab leak. You know, this should cause, if we, if we had our head on right as a country and as a world, uh, this should cause the world to basically blacklist China. I mean, for, what they, for the damage they've caused the world, and I'm not just talking about health and lives, I'm talking about finances as well and emotional and mental damage that has caused the world because of this virus. Um, we should be, the world should be blacklisting China. They need to be like the stepchild of the world because of their, their irresponsibility on this and that they've covered it up and they've insulted people who think rationally. But instead, what are we doing? Oh, we're, uh, we're, the world is helping China, right? They're still a developing nation, so we're still helping China as they bypass everyone on the world stage when it comes to economics and military uh, strength. That's why we need tough leaders to be able to fight back. Um, Elizabeth Warren, she did an interview, a recent interview with Teen Vogue, which is known for publishing some pretty uh, X-rated materials there in its magazine. But Senator Elizabeth Warren did an interview regarding the case before the Supreme Court that is challenging the merits of Roe versus Wade. Reading from this Life News article here, she believes, talking about the senator from Massachusetts, Senator Warren believes the federal government must act to protect the, quote, right to abort an unborn baby for basically any reason without restriction and stop a, quote, right-wing minority from trying to take away basic rights. Here's her quote from the Teen Vogue article. Both voting and access to abortion are basic. They're about the functioning of our democracy and about the protection of personal autonomy, she told Teen Vogue. Protection of access to basic health care, a.k.a. abortion is what they call it, means your autonomy as a human being is fully respected by the law. That you will make the decisions about yourself. To me, that's part of the, of the heart of what's behind all of this, end quote. That's from Senator Elizabeth Warren. But, you know, the irony here is that the senator is talking about bodily autonomy, for women so that they can kill their babies. But when you talk about bodily autonomy for, I don't know, maybe like the vaccine, well, we can't talk about that, right? You should you should be forced to take the vaccine, the Democrats are saying now. If you don't take the vaccine, you're murdering people. It's a felony. <laughs> I read what somebody said the other day. It's a felony. If you infect somebody with COVID, it's a felony, and you can go to jail. But we can kill babies? We can murder babies, and that's okay, right? That's okay? But I've got to get the jab? The hypocrisy here is astonishing. And it proves what I've said all along and what we all know to be true, and that is these people don't care about protecting innocent life. Because if you cared about protecting innocent life, which is what they, they're, they're, they're pushing all the public health measures for, right? Because we've got to protect the public. We are here to protect. We are the government, and we are here to protect the public. And this pandemic is raging across the country, and we're here to stop it. So you got to get your vaccine, you got to wear your mask, and you got to stay at the house. 
that's the message we're getting. All in the name of protecting life, protecting Americans' life. Well, they're fine with killing babies, um, but when it comes to uh, things like I covered the crime last week in these big major cities, the violent crime, and how it's the, the violent crime and shootings are, are ravaging these cities, and Democrats are doing nothing about it. I read a story earlier today where more people died from gunshots, more people died from shootings in Washington, D.C. in the month of July than from COVID. It was like three to one margin of people who died from gunshot wounds. Here, here's the exact numbers. There were 21 homicides throughout the month of July compared to eight coronavirus deaths. So more people are dying from being shot in Washington, D.C. than they are dying from COVID. But we've all got to wear our mask. We've all got to wear our mask where the, while the criminals run the streets with their illegal guns and shoot up innocent civilians in Washington, D.C. Chicago, I bet the same thing's true if you look at the numbers in Chicago. Absolutely, absolutely astonishing. You know, the Democrats are working on, uh, with the help of Republicans, unfortunately, uh, they're working on a couple different things. Um, we've got two Republicans participating in this January 6th commission, which is like a Russia hoax 2.0 or an impeachment 3.0. You've got uh, Liz Cheney and As Adam Kissinger, two Republicans, are so-called Republicans, working on uh, the committee. Representative Lauren, Lauren Bobart. She uh, had some tough words to say about uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger, who are basically Democrats now. Uh, McCarthy called them Pelosi Republicans. Let's listen to what she had to say about these two so-called Republicans working with the Democrat Party. Clip one, let's listen. When Nancy Pelosi, when Nancy Pelosi took, the took the unprecedented and historic, and historic action of removing my esteemed colleague. Right. When Nancy Pelosi took the unprecedented and historic action of removing my esteemed colleagues, ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, and chairman of the Republican Study Committee, the largest committee in the Republican conference, Jim Banks, off of the partisan January 6th committee, you saw Liz out front, blocking and tackling while Adam was filling out his paperwork to join the committee, which I call impeachment 3.0. Adam and Liz have been on CNN more than most Democrats. They've attacked Republicans at every single turn. In fact, one of these media hungry hacks even went to both the New York Times and CNN in one week to attack me. In one week, really, Adam? That's the best you can do for the American people while Democrats are destroying every foundation of our country? It's pathetic. Even our incompetent attending physician has te could test these members positive for Trump derangement syndrome. They are a cancer to our party and to our caucus, and they must be ex expelled from our conference. Hey, that's Representative Lauren Bobar from Colorado from the 3rd Congressional District. <laughs> and she calls for the expelling of Adam Kissinger and Liz Cheney. I completely agree. I mean, these, these two people aren't even Republicans. These two people aren't even Republicans. And that's the problem with the Republican Party is half the people in it don't even believe 
in the fundamental tenets of being a part of the Republican Party. I promise you, one day I'm going to do a breakdown. I'm going to do a deep dive on the uh, Republican Party platform because it's actually very good. The tenets of the platform are very good. But the problem America has is that the people in the Republican Party, at least half of them, don't even believe in their own party platform. So what are they doing campaigning as a Republican, taking money from the National Republican Party, but then they turn around and don't do half the things they said they would do, and they don't believe in the fundamental tenets of the Republican Party? I mean, one of the tenets is about reducing our national debt. You can read it for yourself. The 2016 Republican National Party platform talks extensively about reducing our national debt through decreased spending. Imagine that. But we had four years of a Trump administration where all the Republicans did was spend money. And there wasn't hardly even a question about reining it in. And when you did talk about reining it in, well, everyone freaked out. We can't do that. We can't decrease federal spending. (laughs) Trump should have said, yeah, let's watch me. Let's do it. I'm going to veto every bill until you guys at least break even on the budget. But no, you've got the Republican Party and the Democrats working in tandem um, to pass policies that are not consistent with what they claim to believe in. And that's why people get frustrated. I mean, that's what basically birthed the Trump movement in 2015 is people that were frustrated at the Country Club Republicans for being all talk and no action. 100% talk, no action. People are frustrated about that. People are still frustrated about that. And you really need a national party that actually that is led by people who actually believe in what the party believes in. Look, and I, I'm not I'm not naive here. I understand that what we're facing in our country is a is a spiritual breakdown, a moral breakdown of people who don't believe in God, who don't believe in God's inherent word to guide and direct their lives. I, I get that. I talk about it on my show about every day here. But we've got a national party who has good beliefs on paper, and many of them actually line up with scientific reality and God's word, but the people in charge of the party, the people running the party, they don't even believe what's in their party platform. That is a problem with what's going on in our country. AFA at the core, we'll be back in a few minutes. Announcing AFA.net slash connect. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at AFA.net slash connect. 
American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. Throughout our nation, we see concerted efforts to fundamentally transform America into a socialist regime. The biggest prize of all, our children. Capture the minds of an entire generation and the revolution will be a seamless transformation. And the means of doing so are through the public schools. While many teachers just want to teach the three R's, their hands are tied by administrators and government dictates which have turned public schools into indoctrination centers for leftist ideology. Powerful gay and transgender groups pressure schools to implement LGBT programs. Planned Parenthood is the largest provider of sex ed curriculum in public schools, and critical race theory is now mainstreamed all the way down to elementary classrooms, teaching children that white people are inherently racist. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show, AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to have you on uh, the airwaves with us or online listening or watching the show. There's been going on for some time now, really for probably almost a year, actually, there's been this uh, moratorium on evictions for people renting properties across the country. And this actually started in, uh, I believe, in September of 2020. So going on uh, nearly a year now. And uh, this, I was actually shocked to, I learn, I learn new stuff every day. I learn new stuff every day getting ready for the show. <laughs> if I told you that the Centers for Disease Control initiated the eviction moratorium, would you believe me? Or would you say something like I would have said, what, the Centers for Disease Control, eviction moratorium, what on earth does that have to do with diseases? And the CDC, that has nothing to do with the CDC. That's more like a maybe, I don't know, maybe like a treasury policy or uh, some kind of federal agency like 
the White House. I don't know where that would fall, but I, the last place I would think that a, an eviction moratorium uh, would fall is in the hands of the CDC. Maybe some executive order by the president, maybe. I don't know. Um, or the Fed. Um, who knows? But this uh, moratorium, this eviction moratorium, well, it came out of the CDC, which is stunning to me. Maybe that is uh, indicative of uh, our issues with government. We have the CDC controlling uh, uh, eviction uh, moratoriums. Well, it just ended. It just ended, I don't know, two days ago. It just ended on the evening of July 31st is when this eviction moratorium ended, and it's really um, backlogged some major issues here because you've had people since this began in September of 2020, um, you've had people, renters, who have, some of them have deferred their, their payments on their rental property and the, the, the owners of the properties have had no recourse to collect those dues for the rent, for the rental property, because of this federal policy. Well, I can get into how this thing went on way too long. That's pretty much should be common sense, should be established, is that there's no way they should have had this um, eviction moratorium in place for almost a year. Um, when when many economies have been recovered or have been on the recovering end for months now, if not uh, eight to ten to twelve months by at this point, well, nonetheless, it uh, the eviction moratorium expired on July thirty first, and here's the result. Here's the result. This is from the Epoch Times. Here's the headline: Nearly two million U.S. households owe fifteen billion in back rent. So folks who delayed their rent because of whatever reason, some of them might have been very valid financial reasons, they lost their job or whatever, um, they have to pay that rent legally. That They, they can't just not pay it. Uh, they're just delaying it, basically delaying the payment. Well, now it's coming up where it's all going to be due, at least at some point in the near future, and there's 2 million U.S. households that owe $15 billion in back rent. That's a huge number. An estimated, read, reading directly from the story, an estimated 1.95 million U.S. renter households owed more than $15.3 billion in back rent when the federal eviction moratorium expired on July 31, according to a new report. The number of renter households in debt is expected to reach $2 million by December. The Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia said in a July 30 report, those households are expected to collectively owe $18.6 billion by that point come December, with an average debt um, or an average back payment of $9,300. Here's a state-by-state -state breakdown, and I was expecting more of uh, ideology to come into play here on the state-by-state -state breakdown, but it's actually pretty much goes along the lines of uh, the most populated states as far as the ones with the most people uh, that owe rent. The state with the largest estimated number of households in in areas uh, okay, the, the state with the largest number of estimated households that owe rent that that, that owe, uh, owe rent back rent basically, California is number one, 313,000 households. 
followed by Texas, 174,000 households. Florida is at number three with 171 households. And uh, New York State is at 155,000 households that owe back rent. This is this is this is tragic, honestly. This is very tragic. Um, you know, and people people at the time, I mean, I I heard I heard this kind of talk going on. You know, people think, well, you know, I'll just delay it, and you get in this habit of not paying your rent, even though you probably could pull it off. You just didn't want to. You might have to make sacrifices in other areas, but people delayed it. Well, now it's coming time to pay the rent, and it's uh, it's going to be a tough day for many, many renters out there. But it's, you know, you have to pay your bills. We've got these landowners, which the landowners get no sympathy here, which I think is frustrating. The landowners, they had to pay their bills, uh, but the renters didn't. And so... In many cases, these landowners, they, they were left with no enforcement power on collecting rent, uh, but many of them had uh, different kind of loans and bills to pay themselves. Uh, but many of the banks were probably a little more laxed with them as well, understanding the situation. Well, AOC, if it were up to her, uh, we would just extend this moratorium, I don't know, maybe the next 20 years. Uh, let's listen to AOC here. This is clip four. She's frustrated that this moratorium, this eviction moratorium ended. The House and House leadership had the opportunity to vote to extend the moratorium. And there were many, and there was frankly a handful of conservative Democrats in the House that threatened to get on planes rather than hold this vote. And we have to um, really just call a spade a spade. We cannot, in good faith, blame the Republican Party when House Democrats have a majority. Wow, that's refreshing. That's how refreshing. I actually agree with AOC here. She said we can't keep blaming the Republicans when we're in charge. I'm going to have to add that to some kind of archive and bring that thing back. That was glorious. AOC says, got to call a spade a spade. We can't keep blaming the Republicans when we're the party in charge. Nancy Pelosi is the House Speaker. Well, these Democrats, I mean, they're partially to blame here. Uh, they let the eviction moratorium expire. The Congress had to intervene here, and they they failed to. But probably because Congress knows the cold, hard truth, and that is you've got landowners out there, property owners that own all these rental properties, and they've got bills to pay. They've got uh, they've got bills to pay, too. They've got to put food on the table for their family. So we can't keep kicking this can down the road and make it to where people – um, can't pay rent and can't be kicked out for not paying rent. At some point, uh, the, the, the truth and reality, the hard truth had to set in, and it did. It did. But AOC saying there, the Democrats, well, they should have extended it, and they didn't. Shame on her own party, she says. Shame on the Democrats. And, you know, Newt Gingrich made a good point on uh, Fox News. He made a good point talking about how if it were up to AOC, uh, we would extend this thing out forever. AOC has no problem with spending unlimited amounts of money. Clip two, let's listen. Well, look, I think, <clears throat> start with, there's no amount of money that the left-wing anti-Americans wouldn't spend. Uh, there's no amount of money that you could give people that they would think was too much. I mean, if you were to ask AOC, what's the most somebody should get from the government? Mm. She couldn't possibly give you an answer. Uh, you ask her, who's going to pay for all this? It's a fantasy. So 
We're in a situation right now where we're on the edge, I think, of significant inflation because the government's spending far more than it's taking in. Uh, it is putting dramatic inflationary pressure on the economy. And every American will end up being poorer because of the policies of the left-wing Democrats. There you go, Gingrich, saying that AOC has no limit as to the amount of money she would spend in the name of helping others. And that's so true. You know, I tried to bring in a clip for the show today from the White House doing a CNN interview, and the, the CNN host kept pressing the White House spokesperson, this female, on um, how long can you keep calling inflation temporary? And, and the host kept asking three times, how long can you keep calling inflation temporary before it cannot be called t- temporary anymore? And, and the, the clip was so tough to listen to because she kept not answering the question that I couldn't even bring it in. It was three minutes of a non-answer. She got into talking about vaccines. The CNN host was asking about inflation and how long can you call this inflation temporary or transitory until you have to recognize the cold hard truth and that is, is the inflation is likely here to stay. Well, the White House couldn't answer it. Instead, they want to talk about the vaccines. The White House absolutely couldn't answer it. But, you know, the public, we're no fools. The American people, we're no fools. We're going on, I don't know, probably four to six months of inflation, at least since Biden's been in office. And I don't see it easing up. I don't see any reports of it easing up. So are we going to be sitting here in, in six months from now, in 2022, and the Biden administration is still calling the, the inflation temporary and transitory? If they are, we're going to be here on this show laughing out loud for sure. You know, we talk over and over again about how many of the people running the country don't even believe in their own policies. Well, President Obama, he's no different. He doesn't believe in the the alarmism coming out of the White House and the CDC. And President Barack Obama, his birthday's coming up. And he's going to have about, I don't know, looks like 500 people at least at his Martha's Vineyard mansion, which is on the beach, which is the oceans are rising because of climate change. And so his mansion, according to Al Gore, is going to be underwater in the next 12 months. Uh, I'm just kidding about that. Al Gore didn't say that. But, you know, the scientists are all saying the oceans are rising. The oceans are rising. Well, uh, President Obama's not afraid of that. He bought a house, a mansion on the beach at Martha's Vineyard. Back to the story, a little rabbit trail there. Uh, president Barack Obama, the former president, is going to have about 500 people at his Martha's Vineyard for his birthday party. Of those 500, about 200 are going to be staff, or I don't know, that may be additional. So that may end up being about 700 people at his party. Are those 200 maybe a part of the original 500? Nonetheless, the uh, representative for the uh, NIH was questioned about this. I can find his name, uh, last name. Okay, here, here it is. Uh, NIH, a director of NIH, National Institutes of Health, Francis Collins. He said on CNN that people should avoid big parties. <laughs> that people should avoid big parties. He goes on. Uh, Francis Collins, NIH director. I don't know. That may be a female. Nonetheless, this representative said. Quote, if there were 100 people, and of course, how are you going to be sure about people's vaccination status, question mark? 
the uh, NIH director went on to discourage these type of parties. But don't worry, uh, the Obamas, they're going to have uh, COVID protocols in place. But they won't say yet whether everybody has to wear a mask. <laughs> 500 people gathering at the Obama mansion for his birthday party. And this, this doesn't surprise us. I'm actually proud that the former president is getting to have a birthday and celebrate with as many people as he deems appropriate. Because after all, it's America. I just wish the rest of our leaders would afford the rest of Americans, you know us little guys, the same privilege. And next time um, a governor or a mayor tries to shut down houses of worship or churches, or the next time California tries to regulate how many people can come over to your house to have a Bible study, we should just send them to the Obama spokesperson for comment. Because apparently the Obamas have no problem with having a massive super spreader event at Martha's Vineyard. A couple other stories I want to get to before we wrap up the show. I was joking about, uh, you know, all the scientists that warn us that the world is burning because of so-called climate change. The climate's always changing, by the way. It's going to be a little chilly here in about three or four months because climate change, right? The seasons change. Well, this was an article published in the online journal Bioscience, and these scientists, uh, they are raising the alarm about climate change. And their solution to climate change is that we need to, quote, eliminate fossil fuels and shift towards renewables. We need to, quote, switch uh, to mostly plant-based diets, meaning I have to eat a salad every day. And we need to uh, stabilize the world by gradually reducing the population. Huh. Huh. So depopulation. Hmm. I wonder why these folks are in favor of baby killing. Maybe because they want to depopulate the earth. That's not a conspiracy theory. They just said it right there from that report. AFA at the core, American Family Radio. Check out our website, AFR.net, and our AFR app. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.